what's going on? Welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. I am joined by my guy Craig Sandlin filling in for Trace Fowler. He's taking a well-deserved vacation. Craig, my man, how's 2024 treating you so far? Nick, it's been great. Glad to glad to be on. It was good to see you and Andrea over the break. I got a new webcam for Christmas. I got a new mic stand for Christmas. I'm ready for Chatterbox Reds 2024, baby. Let's go. I love it. Love the energy. Uh, we got our guy, J.B. Ramsey. That is the director of Reds Media Relations. He's going to join us in just a minute. Uh, really excited to chat with Jamie. He's uh, uh, one of the real good guys uh, around, not just the Reds, but around baseball. So really excited to bring him in. But first, we got to say a quick word about our sponsor, Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks so much to our partners at DSC. All right, well, I've kept you waiting long enough. Let's bring him in. This is our guy, Jamie Ramsey. Jamie, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Good to see it's good to see you, Nick and Craig. Great, great to be on the show. Happy to talk about some some Reds on this chilly January afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> this is our first time doing a show at two o'clock. Uh, uh, I'm full time now with Chatterbox, so we're doing something a little bit different. See how this is working, but already 53 people jumping on. So excited about that, uh, Jamie. I know I've chatted with you before in the past on some other podcasts that I've done, but I think we got a lot of people here at Chatterbox Reds who may not know exactly what your role is with the Reds. So in a quick summary, tell the folks uh, how you started with the Reds and kind of what you do now, your whole life story. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, basically my entire adult life has been spent here with the Reds. Um, beginning in 1997, I started on the ground crew, um, worked my way up through, as I was going to college at, uh, at Miami University, I was on the ground crew and then um, Got hired in the front office in 2000 um, in the merchandise department. Uh, left there to take on an internship in the media relations department. And I was hired full time in the media relations department following that 2001 season. So I've been here, like I said, my entire adult life. And uh, my day to day job is basically to um, facilitate uh, media access from outlets to our uh, players and staff, GM, coaches, manager, uh, write the media guide, which we're working on right now for the upcoming 2024 season. Just plugging away. <laughs> Busy times. Uh, well, Jamie, um, the last time I talked with you on a podcast was the last day of 2022. Uh, the Reds uh, lost, I think, like 10 to 1. Vibes were pretty low. And I know me and you we're both pretty optimistic guys. We were really excited even at that point about the future of the Reds and some of the prospects that the Reds had acquired and stockpiled and all those kind of things. But can even you believe from that point on that day in October 1st, 2022 to early January 2024, kind of how quickly things have shifted? <clears throat> yeah, that's um, that's a testament to Nick Craw and his staff and I know it's kind of annoying to be positive after a team lost a hundred games. Um, I get it. I'm kind of, get, I get paid to do it. So there's really no excuse for you, Nick, but, um, <laughs> but it, it was, it was really, actually, it was, it was clear to me. And I think it was clear to a lot of people that this team was headed in the right direction. Now, 2023 
happened really quickly for the, um, the success that this team had. And it was unexpected. I didn't expect it. I thought I was looking at, you know, hopefully this team finishes uh, 75, 80 wins. Um, and then you get moving in 2024 and start being competitive and start competing for the postseason. But 2023 was a pleasant surprise. And I think it was just a, just the way this team was constructed. It's kind of looking back on it now, hindsight being 2020, uh, it's kind of obvious that this team was destined for success. And, um, you know, if you're a Reds fan, you can't help but to be very proud of those guys that, that went out there and grinded out uh, 82 wins last year. So, Jamie, the Reds have had a pretty active offseason. I think that that's fair to say. I know that you got to meet a couple of the new players at Reds Fest. I'm assuming you were around. I know Jamie Candelario had a pretty big press conference uh, down at the ballpark. Give us a little bit of behind the scenes, what you've you've thought, your observations from uh, some of these new signings that the Reds have brought in. Yeah, we'll start with Jamer. And I think what he brings to the table offensively, um, you know, is going to be a huge plus for this lineup. Um, a guy being able to hit 20 to 25, maybe even 30 home runs, um, add some serious offensive uh, threat to this lineup. And uh, I think also, I think what people kind of overlook too with Jamer is, um, and maybe not, they might not know that he's considered a leader in the clubhouse. Um, and that's why, you know, a lot of teams really were vying for his services this year. And um, the Reds are lucky to, to have him not only on the field, not only defensively, I didn't even mention um, he's a sound defensive player at, at either corner position, but in that clubhouse with all of these young guys that are on the team, having that veteran presence and having what is considered uh, around the league as a, a, a bona fide great human being is, uh, is going to be so good um, for this club. And to, especially for um, specifically for guys like Ellie De La Cruz, who's going to have some of that veteran leadership. He's uh, Jamer's probably going to be um, by all intents and purposes, lockering, um, if not next to Ellie, pretty close. Um, so that's a, it's just, it's just good for the club, um, on the field and off. Um, now, as far as, uh, Frankie Montas goes, um, what an incredible acquisition acquisition that was because the Reds didn't have to give up anybody. Um, and if, if his in worst case scenario, he has injuries and shoulder problems, you're only on the hook for one year. Uh, best case scenario, you uh, you have that mutual option that um, you can um, exercise, maybe offer a qualifying offer to. And if he has a great season, which we hope he does and which we're counting on him having, um, it's just going to be a, a win-win for the Reds. Just being able to and just seeing what, as you guys have seen, like the asking prices for these free agents and, and as well as um, uh, these starting pitchers that uh, on teams that are, are still under control um, for trades, um, the asking prices are exorbitant. And um, just the way we landed Frankie was just a, a great plus for this club. Yeah, that's a good point. I, let's start with the starting pitching rotation a little bit and talk about that. Obviously, we saw last year the value that depth 
would provide this team, right? With uh, some guys that maybe you didn't expect to have to make starts in 2023, have to make starts. You go out, go out and sign a guy like Nick Martinez that's flexible and can come out of the bullpen or start for you. You sign a starter in Frankie Montas. Obviously, you hope to get a couple guys back healthy this year as well. Talk about the outlook for the starting pitching rotation. You're going to have a guy like Brandon Williamson who's going to be competing to even start at the big league level uh, after a great 2023. What are the Reds expecting from their starting rotation this year? Well, I think you've I think you mentioned it right off the bat, the depth. I think the depth is just so important. I've heard Nick Crawl talk about it many times before when, when he talks about what he's looking for the most out of out of players. And it's not so much individual players, he'll say. It's the depth. Being able to um, to compete and not lose um, ground when your when your key personnel are injured or not in the lineup or the rotation. I'll give you an example. Like last year, how many teams, including the Reds, didn't even have enough guys to fill out a five man rotation? I mean, we were there were a few several bullpen days. Uh, I remember playing. I, I I can't remember what team it was off the bat um, late last year. They. They had two starting pitchers, so we faced the the Reds faced the bullpen day like uh, almost all three of those games in the in this series. So, look, when there's not going to be any team in baseball that has five guys that make all of their starts all year. So, the more guys you have, the more depth you have, good quality pitchers to have to provide that depth. I think you're you're putting yourself you're setting yourself up for success being able to plug in a Connor Phillips when Brandon Williamson gets injured, being able to have Frankie Montas there, being able to have all of these guys that you just showed in that graphic provide so much depth and depth for, I would say is, is the most valuable player for most teams. When you're talking about depth, one thing that I think is very important is that you have a manager that can utilize that depth and get the players to to buy into that. As someone who's around David Bell, at least some, uh, Jamie, talk about wh- what your thoughts are on, on David Bell. And, and it felt like last year he really had everyone buying into their role, at least from the outside perspective, more so than I can maybe ever remember a Reds team. Yeah, the thing about David is he's what I would think maybe the, um, the old-timers would call a, a player's manager. He's a guy that he's, he was a successful player himself, so he knows what it takes um, day in and day out, 200 days of the year, including spring training, to uh, go out there and compete. And he knows every one of these players' strengths and weaknesses on and off the field. And he empowers these guys by letting them play, by letting them um, voice their concerns, by um, you know just allowing them to be who they are. And one of the things that David likes to tell these guys, and I, I'm sure you guys maybe even seen it because I think he stole the media a little bit. He wants his players to improve at least 1% every day. If you can just improve 1% every day, you're going to be in good shape. Um, if you can't, then you're going backwards. But he doesn't put a lot of pressure on this team, and um, I think the players love that, and I think they really enjoy playing for David. David's been, uh, you know, he's had the ability to play with lineups a little bit over the course of his career. Um, the signing of Jamer Candelario is going to give him even more flexibility with that. With the young squad that they're going to be bringing into 2024, uh, 
what can we expect from those young players who we saw for the first time in 2023 in terms of how often they're playing? How you know what's that rotation going to look like, Jamie? I think from an on-field standpoint, I think you're only going to see them get better. I mean, they I mean they still got years from reaching their peak success. So being able to see Ellie become the player that he'll eventually become, being able to see Matt McClain, um, a, a healthy Matt McClain, begin to blossom into a bona fide major league threat, a major league superstar is going to be so much fun. Um, now, as far as where they play and how much they play, I can't answer that right now. Um, I think it's too early to tell. Um, just like the pitching staff, I think there's going to be some guys that are going to be banged up through a season, and that's to be expected. And again, um, just like the, the pitching side, the depth is so important on that offensive side to be able to to have McLean play shortstop when Ellie's not playing shortstop, to have Spencer Steer come in and play first base when Jamer can't play first base, or Tyler Stevenson for that matter. Um, and to be able to have like, you know, um, Jonathan India play outfield and Spencer Steer play outfield. It's just, it makes the lineup so much more deadly when you have depth and you have guys that can play all over the field. And uh, it's going to be exciting. And just having these guys um, become a year older um, and having that experience from last year, they had that, that, that experience where, Never since I've been here have I seen so many guys in that clubhouse um, so anxious to get to work the next day. Like the, that that night after they won or lost, they couldn't wait to get to the ballpark the next day. And that's contagious. It really is. And um, it creates a fun atmosphere. It creates a great atmosphere for the fans. Um, and it's just, to me, I'm just so excited about 2024. It's been the, it's the first time I've been this excited about a season in a long time. And it's, it's legit. It's sincere. Um, just being able to see these guys play every day is going to be a treat. All right, Jamie. So I want you to take us a little bit behind the scenes. Uh, so Ellie De La Cruz gets called up last year. Obviously that was a pretty big, uh, big deal around these parts. What was the, the call up like from your perspective on your role with the Reds and, and then that, that first month when he just, took baseball by storm. What was the Ellie mania like for, for Jamie Ramsey? For me personally, it was fun because when, you know, we have these, um, um, these discussion, I have a discussion with my colleague, my very good friend, Larry Herms, who's got an office right next to me. Um, we talk a lot about the team and we talk about, um, you know, certain things like when's Ellie going to get, when do you think Ellie's going to get called up? You know, like we, we, we see the discussions online, but we also have those discussions too. Like, what, what do you, what do you think? And so when it finally happened and we, we got the heads up a few, like I would say early in the day before the early of the day of, we found out he was coming up. I couldn't really give it a, you know, it's not my job to leak anything, but I did text my friends and said, I think you guys want to come to the game tonight. Um, and they were like, Oh, you know, I can't, I got to go to work or whatever. I got to work till six. And I was like, no, 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 no. I think you guys want to come to the game tonight. And so they know not to ask me why, because I can't tell them. So they knew to go to the game that night. And um, it was, uh, they, they tell me now that they were so happy that they did because it was an experience for them. I think Ellie hit a home run and had a great game and um, brought so much excitement to the, to the stands that night. It 
was fun. But <clears throat> that first Ellie mania when he was, uh, you know, stealing homes, um, hitting for the cycle was, it was an, it was surreal. I mean, I know that term gets used a lot, but it was surreal just watching it. Like, wow, we haven't had a cycle since 1989. And this guy comes in and just like 11 or 13, whatever games in, he made it look easy. And I'm like, what am I, what are we watching right now? So even though like I'm around this club 24 seven, I watch all the games um, and I'm part of the teams um, embedded with this team. I don't get tired of watching it. And I don't get tired of seeing these guys succeed. I, n I will never get tired of that. Um, and it's, I think it's especially exciting when, you know, you're coming off a 2022 season in which you lost hundred games. So having any little bit of that success makes it that much more sweeter. And, and wow. I mean, you guys, I was watching it just like how you guys were and how the fans at home were watching it, like in utter disbelief and, and in awe that of this, of this guy who can do this on the field. Jay, Jay, Jamie, so that the 12 game win streak, did, did it feel like from your perspective that it just kept like building, not just in terms of obviously wins, but in terms of like the fan interest, because I know we, we do a show every night and, and when you start got to win four and then you five and then six, it just more and more people were becoming more and more invested in the reds. Did you guys kind of feel that from your perspective? It, it started in the clubhouse. I think, I think every night at the, at the end of the games, I, I go down to the clubhouse to, um, get the team ready for the media that'll enter 10 minutes after the game ends. Um, so after the games, you'll get to see like those guys coming off the field after victories. And um, this is not exclusive to the Reds. Every team does a little celebration type thing in the, in the, in the clubhouse following their victories. But the Reds, it was a little special this year because you started like, like you said, as they're starting to string together these victories, Four became five, five became six, so on and so forth. It felt like this team really believed it couldn't lose. And that was that was unbelievable. It's like these guys who aren't picked to win to finish 500 don't think they're going to lose another game this year. And even on that that 13th game, they thought they were going to win that game. And I think they they I think the team lost in the ninth inning that game. But it was it was amazing. And it all started from those guys in the clubhouse. And, uh, started with a few of those guys in the clubhouse, namely Jonathan India, um, Luke Maley was our, kind of considered the team leaders. And then it just spread throughout the clubhouse to the point where you're getting guys who are getting called up to make spot starts or um, chip in with a few innings in the bullpen were believing in it too, believing that they are just as important to this team as anyone else on it. And they are, and they were, and they were, they were believing. So it was amazing. And having the and when the, the fans started catching on too, and Great American Ballpark was filled up, that's when I started getting goosebumps every night watching the team. When when Ellie would come to the plate and the whole place would go silent for every pitch, and then explode when he'd hit a ball in the gap or hit one over the fence or or make a great play. It was it was just it's everything that you want as a baseball fan um, and as a guy working for this team. I think we all can agree that 2023 was one of the most enjoyable years of Reds baseball in a long time. Um, 
for for me personally living in in Tennessee not being there to be able to go to games one of the things that I've personally noticed recently is an investment in social media on the red standpoint can you talk about maybe from your perspective in your role but also the team around you the investment that the Reds are making in social media we had someone in comment in the in the chat that they've watched the Benson walk off against the Dodgers a quadrillion times right like Talk about the value of social media for this franchise as well. Look, the Reds aren't, they're not naive to the fact that there are a ton of fans on social media, whether it's, um, you know, just um, um, casual fans to the diehard fans, um, like the folks who are probably watching this podcast right now. Um, and there's, the Reds put a lot of emphasis and a lot of importance with those folks because they are, the social media folks who follow the team are probably the most invested um, group of fans of the Reds that there are. And that's not, you know, saying that, you know, the guys in the barbershop aren't or the, the old folks in the, in, in the old folks home are because they are too, but there is a, the social media crew is such a unique um, group of fans um, for better or worse. Um, that that the, that the team has and that the team can leverage into um, marketing to and to um, um, you know reaching out to to um, to uh, alert them of our moves and to explain um, uh, what's going on with the team and I think another thing that uh, I'm not mentioning is social media fans. There are some smart fans on smart social media that. Um, really know this team inside and out. They don't know everything, but they do know um, more than the average fan. So it's very important for this team to um, to uh, reach out to those folks and to, uh, to uh, cater to them as much as possible. All right. So, Jamie, you said uh, before we came on that you're working on some minor league bios and stuff. I want some uh, – some exciting notes or something interesting that you've kind of found uh, in, in your discoveries here recently that well, Reds fans should be watching. I mean, like uh, I think a lot of you guys already know that, um, you know, Blake Dunn is an amazing talent who, um, who has dominated at every single step of his life has been the best athlete, whether it was in um, junior high, high school. He, I think he won like some, something insane, like, earned 14 varsity letters in high school. Um, and think about that, 14 varsity letters. He played baseball, basketball, football, track and field. And I think um, his senior year he was injured, so he didn't get a, a varsity letter in one of those sports. But, you know, when, when you're setting um, scoring records on the football team, on the scoring records on the basketball team, and then you go on to play professional baseball – that isn't that is the kind of talent that only comes around the only kind of athlete that comes around once in uh, a generation and uh, even though you know it's a small town in Michigan I get it but this guy is something to behold and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, hopefully he'll get a, a major league invite to spring training he definitely deserves one so we'll see uh, we'll get to see him in action against some big league pitching but I'm super excited about this kid um, also, Jacob Herdebees. Um This guy is an, also an amazing. I didn't realize how great of a year he had 
until I was doing his uh, his bio this year and, and seeing his stats are absolutely bonkers. And it's not at the low levels. It, he's doing this at Chattanooga and Louisville. Uh, OPS over 900, uh, batting average over 300, stolen bases in the 40s or 50s. I don't know which it is, but and he plays great defense. So um, these two guys off the top of my head are two guys that I'm super excited about, as well as um, uh, Julian Aguiar, uh, the right-handed pitcher who uh, who many of you saw uh, play at Dayton last year. I spoke to Tom Nichols, who's the great, terrific PR man in Dayton. I spoke to him yesterday. I just generally asked him, hey, what's your take on this guy? Because he's probably going to be with us at some point in the spring. Um, just prepare me for, you know, what this guy's like off the field and on the field. And he raised a great question. He said all year last year, he was trying to have someone convince him why Aguiar is not considered one of the team's high level blue chip prospects, like, uh, like a Rhett Louder is. Um, And he couldn't get anybody to, 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 to convince him why they're not, because one, the guy has a fastball that's in the high nineties. He's got great control. He strikes guys out, and he had a he had an ERA under three, which was probably a full at least a full run lower than anyone else close to him in the organization on a full time uh, for full time minor league player. So I'm also excited about him. But again, you want to talk about the those are the three guys that might fly under the radar a little bit, maybe not so much, but a little bit compared to the Rhett Louders of the world. You know, not to get off on a tangent here, I know I'm rambling, but I'm going to keep going. You can talk uh, for as long as you want, Jamie. I was thinking about this before I came on with you guys, and I was thinking about um, what this team a few years ago, how far they've come, and what a great spot to be in. And I'm not saying this from the Reds PR point of view. I'm saying it from a Reds fan's point of view. If you, if you, wanted, if you could pick any team in baseball right now, a handful of teams that one are ready to compete today two have a very reasonable and manageable payroll and three can are set up to um, have sustainable success moving forward. There aren't too many teams that, that fit that qualification like the Cincinnati Reds do. And those are three very important qualifications to have. I mean, we've, we've all seen the teams that have been loaded. We saw the 2020 team that had, um, all the great players, all the great pitchers, um, but the payroll was a little out of whack and not very sustainable. Your minor league system at that point was um, just, you know, you didn't really know what you had at that point. But today in 2024, as we sit here and talk, those three boxes are checked. And, you know, being a Reds fan, I'm not sure you have to go back to the, probably the 70s or maybe even the 80s when the team was very good in the 80s um, to be this, to have this excitement to have the whole picture where again you can win now you can win later and you have a manageable payroll and you know there's not much more you can say about that well first of all thank you for that insight i think nick and i would probably both agree that this conversation we could have you on for two hours so um we won't keep you for that long but if you've got time we'd love to to keep this conversation going personally um i nick and i had like a 3 a.m. text message one night in July or August when we started to notice Jacob Herdebees. And so I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up. I appreciate that. 
Um, I want to ask about another minor leaguer, quote unquote, um, that has a lot of questions, and that's Jose Barrero. Um, yeah. Obviously, out of options, um, has shown sparks of ability, obviously, um, but has also shown some sometimes where he struggled, especially at the major league level. So, you know, knowing that he's out of options, realistically at this point, well, what's the next step for a guy like that? You know, I think we've all, like you said, we've seen flashes of greatness out of this guy. Um, you know, what impressed me most about him was um, when we asked him to play center field and he went out there and he, he did a pretty good job in center field. Um, he's a big kid. We know that he's, uh, he's incredibly talented. Um, when he gets a hold of the ball, he can hit it into the, into the river. But I think what he needs to concentrate on, and, you know, I, I'm not privy to what, um, to what our baseball people talk to him about behind the scenes, but just from, and my point of view is very similar to what, what you guys see, what, if I was in charge, I would just kind of tell Jose that he needs to play his best baseball each day and not worry about what lies ahead for him because whether it's here whether it's somewhere else he needs to maintain a level of success that can keep him in the big leagues um, and we all know all of us know that he has the talent to do that it's just a matter of putting that together um, so uh, as far as his future holds I don't know Again, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, uh, I know the players like them. I know the coaches like them. Um, and I know our talent evaluators still really um, value um, what he brings to the table. But again, he has to show consistency and he has to be able to play um, through um, through some drama. I mean, whether and he's got to be able to perform when he's here. If he gets sent down, he's got to be able to perform at Louisville. Got to you got to overcome those obstacles, whether it's on the field or behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Jose Barrero is uh, one opportunity, you know, one injury away from you really needing him to start start the year, possibly, or you know, maybe two injuries or something like that. I think it's just great to have that that as an option for him, you know, going into um, spring training, you know, having that that depth. Um, so, so Jamie, I'm I'm curious. As uh, as we get closer to spring training, do you do you go to Arizona? What's your kind of role during spring training? Yeah, I'm there. Um, I'm pretty much there for every game in spring training, uh, in uh, in Goodyear, and whenever we play on the road. Um, of course, our headquarters are in Goodyear at the Player Development Complex, where I have an office. Um, but yeah, we just uh, we do kind of what we do here in Cincinnati, except we do it in Arizona. Spring training is a little different, different, and because you know there's a so many things going on with meetings. That's when um, you know the 40 man roster meets with um, you know the players' association, other organ, the bat, you know the um, the bat um, association, and and just meetings like that. And of course, we have a an influx of media with the the 30 for 30, the 30 day 30 teams in 30 days, and all of these different kind of media outlets. Um, it's their one time to cover the team um, exclusively. So we'll get a lot of national exposure in, in spring training. But And then the games start, and, you know, um, that's when it becomes uh, – that's when it starts looking a little real. And that, 
that's when it, the fun starts. Speaking of travel, the Reds recently announced the dates for the Reds caravan. Uh, they haven't announced any players or anything like that yet. Maybe you can give us some uh, sneak previews or something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe drop a little insight. Yeah, that uh, should be actually be released this afternoon. So, oh, you want to give yeah. a special preview before it drops? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Scatterbox Reds exclusive or anything, but I think a certain. Um, I heard rumors that there will be a certain um, brand new right-handed pitcher, um, Reds pitcher, who will be on the caravan. And I think some of the guys that we talked about earlier, um, whose um, uh, who's minor league accolades we talked about, will likely be on one of those buses as well. Um, but you know, those uh, those dates and all the the rest of that information should be should released later today. But in case anybody wants to see the dates, uh, we did uh, release that on Reds.com/caravan. So those you can find those dates there as well as some of the major stops. Um, but as far as the personnel that comes along, um, I think you're going to get a uh, uh, some of the, uh, the old veterans of the caravan will be on the, on the buses, as well as some new faces that you folks will be excited about. Well, there you go. For those of you listening to the podcast in the morning on uh, Thursday morning, reds.com slash caravan, all the details at that point will have been released. So check that out. Jamie, are are you going on the caravan? I know you did in the past. Yeah, I, I'm. I've I'm going. I have a picture for each day on my wall here. So I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. This will be my sixteenth one. Wow! And it's I have a lot of fun. It's I'm on a bus. I'm usually with Marty on Marty's leg, um, and my friend, my dear friend Ryan Rizzo, who works behind the scenes here with the Reds. We usually are all we're the three staples on one bus and we'll uh whoever joins us is part of the uh what we consider the best tour of the caravan so we like to brag um, to the other the other groups that you know we're the major league leg and everybody else is just everybody else um which is not true but we, <laughs> we like to have fun uh in that regard but i think um nick crawl will be with me and our group this year, which it's, it's always fun having Nick because, you know, we get to talk to him and ask the questions that you got, that you guys would ask the same questions too. Um, he's, uh, he's great to answer those questions, but we also have, um, I think Jeff Brantley will be with us this year. Um, but just having those guys on the bus and talking baseball for, you know, two days is just amazing. And, and not to mention getting to see the people in these, uh, in these in these small towns across Reds country is very rewarding too, where you know folks will come up and be like, hey, you know, like love the team. I love. I've been a Reds fan for so many years, and you know, I follow you guys, and it's great. And that's just that's what it's all about. We have a we have a great time on the trip. Do you have that. any? Uh, do you have any? I, I won't say favorite stop because I know you love every single <laughs> Reds affiliate city, but any any spots where you've had just like something really cool happen or, or something that a spot that stands out to you? Yeah, we have, we have some, we have some fun stops. We have uh, there's a little radio station in Grayson, Kentucky that we, every time we stop there and we stop there every year, if, if depending on what leg of the tour, which is on the South leg, usually um, Grayson's a great stop because it's a really small radio station, who, which is uh of so many Reds fans that work there and, and the food there is amazing. They bring in all kinds of different food, homemade food, 
restaurant food. So that's one of my favorites. I like going to Grayson. They used to have this, um, used to have this dog, this huge dog that was the radio station sits on top of a, a giant hill in Grayson. They used to have this huge dog, this menacing looking, terrible, mean dog, the, almost like the one from Sandlot was, uh, was, was at this Grayson radio station. It was chained to a, uh, a flagpole down there. Um, and I remember my first caravan, it was uh, Homer Bailey was on our group. He was actually the minor league um, representative <laughs> on this caravan. And I remember that, you know, like he couldn't, he, he was amazed by this dog. And we learned later, sadly, that this dog met a uh, untimely death by, um, running out into the middle of the street in Grayson, Kentucky. Uh, and all of us that were on that tour that year mourned the loss of this uh, fantastic, awful dog that I'm sure was just the, the, the mascot of that radio station. But I mean, all of those little small stops like that, we have kind of stories like that. And we meet same, some of the same people over the years. And like, again, this is my 16th year and I, I kind of know who I'm going to get to see stops and I know who I'm expecting to see. So, um, and then it'll, it'll bring back stories about, Oh yeah, I remember last time we were here. And usually it's a story that I can't share publicly, but <laughs> especially when it involves Marty. So, <laughs> but it, it's, it's fun and we have a lot of fun. Doing it. Yeah. Speaking of stories I can't share publicly back in 2011, I was working at Ohio university and, uh, the caravan came through and Todd Frazier was on that leg. Uh -huh. And, uh, Needless to say, Todd enjoyed himself in Athens, and uh, I enjoyed hanging out with Todd. Um, was there fishbowls? <laughs> were fishbowls involved on that? They may or may not have been yeah. involved there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a, a fun time for sure. Um, enjoy that. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch topics and go from the enjoyable memories of the Reds Caravan to ask you to break my heart live on this podcast. And I, in the back it's of my mind, going on I know, here. I know in the back of my mind, I can't get it out of my head that Joey Votto is not going to find a starting job somewhere. And he's going to settle for a role with the reds as a veteran leader, taking his 150 at bats a year, whatever it may be. And he's going to come back, go ahead and break my heart that that's not going to happen in 2024. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or in general, I just, I want to see Joey in a Reds uniform again. You know I don't think he went out the right way. Um, I think he, you know, the injuries that we've certainly seen him go through the last couple of years. Um, I think he did so much for this town, honestly, um, as a baseball player over the course of his career that seeing him in another uniform is going to break my heart. I'll, I'll counter that with a question for you. Like, you mentioned like a, a player not going out the right way. How many of those players have gone out the right way, whether it's Reds exclusive or with other teams? I know there's examples of it, but usually when, you know, when junior left, it was kind of the end of a, a bit of a, of a tumultuous last few years for him. Uh, when Adam Dunn left, Jay Bruce, I mean, these guys, they don't go out the way the, the storybook or the movie would like yeah. you to have it believe. I mean, with Joey and I, rather than break your heart, I will say this, that the way 
that game in which the the last home game in which the fans gave him an ovation, which was so organic, um, so sincere, and he tipped his cap and he get motion to the crowd. That will be a moment that will live with me for the rest of my life, only because it wasn't manufactured, and it was so organic because the fans here are so smart and so appreciative that they couldn't do anything else but to give this guy who meant so much to them a little piece of their heart that day. And um, again, that was uh, so poignant for me. Um, so pro such a profound moment in Red's history that, um, and I've seen a lot of those moments where they were manufactured where, okay, this is the guy's last at bat here. Make sure you stand up and give him a round of applause. I've seen that happen too. And the, the Vado moment was something that I think um, as a consolation, if he doesn't come back, um, would be something that you should be proud of, uh, not only from Joey, but from this town and from the, the, the people that were here that day. I, I cried I cried twice that day. <laughs> first, obviously, with the with the first at bat with the standing ovation and the, the tip of the cap. And then I, I personally just loved it was such a Joey way of addressing it, too, where he said, I got to go bat. I gotta, I gotta go. Yeah, hit. right. You know, it just like it felt so Joey, and uh, you know, and then obviously the getting a, a base hit in his last at bat, um, and being able to have that curtain call, um, was just a great moment. And like you said, I think I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Uh, shed a tear for sure on those days, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all understand the the moves that have to happen. Um, and, and that ultimately, when you look up and down the roster that Nick has shared, uh, the screenshot of like, th there's realistically not a role for him. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he can't, right. Know, you wouldn't be really doing him any favors either. I mean, he yep. doesn't want to be here as a, as an extra guy. If, yep. he's, if he feels that he can still um, contribute somewhere else. I mean, you have to allow the guy to do that. And I think, um, kudos to Nick for, you know, being able to, um, you know, he couldn't, you know, this organization could have, you know, you know, what do you, what do you do by bringing him back? You take bats away from other guys that, um, you know, you wouldn't be able to, the Matt McClain's or the Spencer Steers of the world or the, you know, Jamer Cam Candelarios, you wouldn't be able to give them their, um, their much earned um, playing time. So I, mean, I think it's, I think it's good for both sides. And I think obviously you root for nothing but greatness for Joey who is, a, in my book, a bona fide Hall of Fame Hamer in Cooperstown. We'll bring him back at some point to induct him into the Reds Hall of Fame. Um, and he'll always be – he'll be a, this, he'll be a guy here. He'll be a legend of, of this much-storied franchise. Yeah, I think you'd also be putting David Bell in a pretty tough spot too. Um, not to say David Bell wouldn't always play the best players and all that kind of stuff, but it would make it, his job maybe a little bit – uh, more challenging. All right, Jimmy, I got one last question. Then I do have one um, in the, the chat. If anyone else has any questions for Jamie, go ahead and put them in. I, I started one from earlier. Jamie, give me one key for the Reds uh, getting to the playoffs in 2024. One key? Yeah, one key like in your, your mind. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to like, okay, everybody's going to say, oh, they got to stay healthy or, you know, the pitching's got to be good. I'm going to say um, you have to get um, performance out of your bullpen. I think the bullpen um, role this year is going to be so important. Not that it wasn't last year, but um, 
the amount of innings that bullpens, not just the Reds, but every team's bullpens are starting to amass every year has become staggering. Um, and if this bullpen can become a, a shutdown bullpen, once you get, what is the average now, five innings out of your starter, then I think this team will, uh, I think this team has a shot to uh, not only make the postseason, but advance in the postseason. So my, uh, I'm going to be looking closely at the bullpen this year because you almost kind of know what you have um, starting pitching wise now with the addition of uh, Montas and, um, and others. And I think, you know, that the, the team on the field, um, the position players are only going to get better. Um, so um, my, my, uh, my eyeballs will be on the bullpen this year. Uh, real quick before we move on. Um, is there any update on TJ Antone? Obviously, he's a piece that potentially could provide some death if healthy. I, I don't know that I've seen anything, but is there any update with him? I think the last I heard as far as TJ goes is that he is, uh, I think he's healthy and uh, should be ready to go for in spring training. Again, unless I'm completely whiffing on that, I, I think that was the last information that I that I received on TJ. All right, a couple questions here for you, Jamie. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about this, but this is from a, a, a Carrick, who's one of the, the our good supporters. And I'm curious about this as well. Uh, any information on if there'll be any MILB teams TV broadcast added? I, I know they have all three levels except for Daytona. Obviously, that's what uh, Carrick's asked about. You know anything about that? I, I don't yet. And um, I, I do remember um, logging in a few times last year and watching some minor league games, especially when McLean and... Uh, Ellie were down there and I, and I know Louisville and uh, Chattanooga were on, but you said uh, uh, Daytona was not broadcast on those. Oh, no, the, the, not their home games. There was a couple of road teams like the Mets uh, low A affiliate. I yeah. know was one. So whenever they played, they no, won one, but it's a great question. And one that I'm, I'm, I'm happy to follow up on. Uh, I just don't have the answer right now. We need more spring training games too, but that's uh <laughs> that's uh out of your jurisdiction. All right, another tough one. We're getting some tough questions here. This is from Sir Boy Wonder Five One Three. Jamie, do you think someone other than Hunter Green starts on opening day? I think you have uh, some very good candidates. Um, I think in the past maybe you didn't, but um, how great would it be if Nick Lodolo started on opening day? Or how great would it be uh, that would mean he was healthy and yeah. had a pretty good spring? Uh, how great would it be if Frankie Montas started? That also would prove that he's healthy and was effective in spring training. So I think whoever starts on opening day will be, uh, uh, it's good news. And if it's Hunter, that's great news too, because that shows that these guys are healthy and effective. And um, um, that's all you can ask for with these guys. And, uh, you know, it could be anybody. I think you could honestly make the case for a lot of different guys. I mean, you could make the case for Abbott. You could make the case for Ashcraft. Yeah. You could make the case for Hunter Green. Obviously, those three on their credentials. Lodolo, you can kind of make the case more on he might have as much upside as anyone. So, and then obviously, you know, Montas finished sixth in the Cy Young voting a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, good, yeah. good problems to have. Uh, there were some improvements at GABP this offseason. Uh, any any news on that? Any anything that that uh, fans should look out. Great question here from Alex. Yeah, the one that like I feel like every year that I'm working, it's uh, when I come back from spring training, um, guys are rushing around trying to uh, get the paint to dry. Um, so it feels like there's always something going on in the off season here. 
Um, so the one that I can definitely tell you about is um, the Diamond Club is getting is currently, as we speak right now, getting um, renovated um, to the point that it's going to be really, really nice. Um, so that's the one that I see. Um, I think that's the big the big one right now. Uh, I know there are some um, some improvements and some changes here and there. Um, the specifics I'm not quite sure of, but as in years past, there's always and that's what keeps this ballpark so fresh. And in, in my opinion, again, not just wearing the Reds PR hat, this is one of the best ballparks in baseball. Uh, and Reds fans are pretty lucky. Is it PNC or the one in San Francisco? Eh, maybe not. It's a matter of opinion, but it's not bad and it's not far off. And um, part of that reason is because there's something new every year and it keeps it fresh and it keeps it new. Well, Breaking news. Uh, you were holding this from a start times were just announced for, for baseball. <laughs> Seeing all kinds of stuff, all kinds of fun stuff here this afternoon. Start times, zips, zips projections coming out, man. We got everything. Yeah, I'm we got up. some. Uh, it's going to be a little different this year with the, um, the twelve thirty five games have been moved to 105. So we have a, oh, an extra okay. half hour of sleep that we can uh, get in before we roll you, into the ballpark. Do you like those god awful 640 games, Jamie? I love them. Oh, I absolutely I bet you love do. Them. I do. I love. You know what else I like that isn't popular among some folks is the four ten game, especially okay. on Saturdays. Like I love the four ten games because one, it makes I can go home and you know be around the family at an earlier time. But um, I like the six forty games. You don't like them? Oh no! It, it, I'm just I'm selfish. Uh, you get a six forty game with the pitch clock time I get the kids to bed, it's in the eighth inning. Like, it's like, I want a couple innings where I can fall ah, in. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just, no, I, it, you know what? I get it. And, you know, everybody has their, uh, has their time that they like to have uh, dedicated to Reds baseball. And if I had to be at the ballpark, I probably would appreciate 640 a lot more. Yeah, the, <laughs> the earlier, the better for me. He's, he's going to push for 530 next year. <laughs> Or let's go the opposite route. Let's have a night where we just have like midnight madness where we start a game at midnight. That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? I think why so. Not? Why not? Why not? Every time I bring that up around here, people look at me like I have three heads. <laughs> Folks oh. that live around the ballpark would love that, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> one one day a year. One day a year. Yeah. I, I, midnight I, I madness. Like that. I like that. All right, Jamie. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been uh, uh, a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate catching up with you and, uh, I'm with you. I just uh, can't wait. Uh, spring training games starting like what six weeks at this point? Yep, it's going to yeah. be fun. It's also people got to remember it's a long season and they're big rally. Yeah. So you know, don't panic if there's that first five or six or seven eight game losing streak. It's it's okay. Um, I think this team, like I said before, is in pretty good shape. We're, manif we're manifesting a ten games over five hundred April. I like it. There we go, Jamie. Leave us with a bold prediction for 2024. I think this team not only goes to the playoffs, but advances. Um, Let's go. Um, I think um, I think you're looking at the National League Central winners, and I think um, this team um, uh, might be playing in the NLCS. Beyond that, it's anybody's uh, – you just got to get in. But I really believe in this team, and I think uh, I think they're ready. I think last year was just a primer, and I think right now they're – I think they tasted it last year, and they want, they want more of it. So I think you're going to be uh, – Buying some uh, some uh, October baseball tickets. Love it. All right, Jamie, appreciate you. Uh, uh, we'll catch up again soon. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
<laughs> Thanks, Jamie. All right, that was our guy, Jamie Ramsey. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Really appreciate him. Me and Craig, we'll stay on here for a few more minutes. Uh, we did kind of have the uh, the the pitching staff as a whole just to kind of look over that and then um, kind of the potential lineup and how, how jammed packed it is. Uh, if anyone has any questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. Uh, we'll try to answer them before we get out of here. But uh, uh, I, I looked. We did this last last podcast. I think I did with with Clay. Um, so Craig, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Put together here, kind of where I think things stand is uh, a rotation now. Um, I had Hunter Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Montas, and Abbott, and then actually have Brandon Williamson probably on the outside looking in right now. Again, there only needs to be one injury for Williamson to get put in. The chances of all five of those guys actually being healthy at the end of spring training is very, very low in my opinion. Uh, but but kind of start with this, Craig. What's kind of your overall thoughts about the, the starting pitching rotation and the depth? Well, here's the first thing that jumps out to me, and you can put the rotation in whatever order you believe is correct, right? Whether you think Brandon Williamson starts – in the majors and and maybe Lodolo or Abbott or someone else starts a triple a or is injured whatever at the end of the day when you look at this rotation top to bottom including the depth you've got four guys who made a major league start last year who are going to have to start in triple a barring an injury right so the first thing that jumps off is just the the depth to me and that was the one of the biggest issues that the reds faced in 2023 was that depth issue and having to turn to guys like Carson Spires, Connor Phillips, and Lyon Richardson for starts. But now they have that major league experience. You hope that they continue to build over the offseason. And coming into 2024, should you need any of those guys, it's not the first time that they're pitching in the major leagues and pitching in what Jamie just predicted to be a playoff race, right? So they came in this year. Uh, they had an opportunity to pitch in high, high leverage uh, situations. The Reds, obviously, down the stretch were looking at a playoff spot, potentially. It came down to the last couple of days of the season. So um, so that's the first thing that jumps out to me. And then you look at the bullpen, and obviously um, you've got some new arms there that are going to be vital to, uh, to the Reds' success. Uh, obviously, as Jamie said, it, pretty rare for the Reds to get more than really six innings out of a starting pitcher, um, just the way that David Bell manages. And so having all of these big league arms uh, ready to go, including depth, again, you've got Alex Young and TJ Antone and Daniel Duarte and uh, all these names that a lot of us believe are major league arms that are going to have to start somewhere and it's not going to be on the major league roster. I think Nick Martinez is so so valuable for that that uh, keeping the bullpen fresh. I, I think, you know, just his ability to go two or three innings at a time uh, and that like TJ Antone 2021 type role, I think that just helps make everyone else's role a little bit easier. Um, but again, look, if miraculously all five of these guys are healthy and Brandon Williamson is the odd man out and has to start the year triple eight, that's a good problem to have. That's what good, well-run organizations that are competing for, World Series titles have. They have those kind of problems. Um, and uh, look, if, if Williamson helps you avoid having six starts from like Luis Sessa and 12 starts from Ben Lively because he has to start in AAA for a couple weeks, so be it. It's not the end of the world. And uh, uh, yeah, and then you still have like guys like Rhett Lauder 
still just, you know, cracking at the door. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at there. And then um, looking at the the starting line of this is where I think a lot of people are going to be kind of taken back by the lineup against right-handed pitching. I'm just going to read it off for the podcast sake. I have Spencer Steer on the outside looking, looking in right now. And I know people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, there's no way. Again, one injury he's in, one of your nine players here probably get hurt at some point. But right now, I think it probably shakes out. TJ Friedel leading off batting playing center field. McLean at second, batting second. Uh, Fraley batting third and right field. CES DHing batting fourth. Benson batting fifth and left field. Candelario uh, at first base. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop. Novi Marte at third base. And then Tyler Stevenson probably batting ninth at catcher. I mean, you can flip this all around a lot. I think Friedel probably at some point maybe ends up batting ninth towards the end of the year. And you have guys like Ellie De La Cruz sliding up. CES and Candelaria can be swapping spots. Um, I, 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 I think that Steer finds his way into the lineup against right hand pitching more often than not. And again, one injury, everything shifts up and, and, and you don't have these problems. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you just have like guys like Blake Dunn, uh, Jacob Herdebees, Jose Barrero, uh, Nick Martini. I mean, that is a really, I think, quality depth that's probably on the outside looking in right now. What's kind of some things that stand out to you, Craig, about kind of where the Reds lineup is and, and how things are going to shake out? Yeah, the depth obviously, again, stands out. Um, I, I texted you before. I think one of the things about this team that'll be so interesting as we go into 2024 is that there are so many guys with so much potential and we have such high expectations for them. But at the end of the day, we have a there's a lot of guys on this roster who maybe haven't shown prolonged success. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can come out hot in 2024, continue that momentum that they had in 2023 on throughout the season. The other thing about depth that I don't think we've really talked about a whole lot, but obviously injuries happen, things happen. Should the Reds need to make a move at the deadline, they're going to have the depth to hopefully be able to do that uh, and address whatever needs they have because they're going to be so deep at each position, right? So if someone is desperate uh, for a starting pitcher, we may have depth to be able to move that and uh, pick up some either some quality prospects or uh, pick up you know, someone that maybe plugs into our lineup in a day-to-day basis. So um, it gives Nick Crawl a lot of flexibility. Um, one of the things that I think he talked about at Reds Fest with you and uh, on the on the show as well was just having players who are flexible within their positions, especially, right? So obviously we've already talked about a number of them, but you've got a number of guys here who can plug into a number of different positions and give you flexibility on a day-to-day basis. So if you do have those, you know, pulled hamstrings flare up and someone needs a couple weeks off, hopefully you don't miss too much of a beat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, you, you look at kind of what the Reds are bringing to the spring trading this year versus um, last year. And then of course, a lot of the excitement about uh, around players in spring training last year was guys that weren't going to start the year at the big league club. So uh, yeah, that's just uh, that's exciting, man. I uh, I can't wait to get this uh, this season started. Um, enjoyed enjoyed the show today. Enjoyed Jamie coming on. Um, we still have one more interview from Reds Fest. David Bell that'll be uh, coming up next Tuesday. Um, so look out for that. Um, we'll do another show at some point live next week. Um, might kind of might kind of the rest of this offseason. We'll kind of feel it out. Might do some at night, some during the day. We'll just kind of see what what works well and uh, 
what we can kind of fit into you know the schedules. But of course, you can always watch this after the fact or, or in your podcast feed. Uh, Craig, um, any final thoughts for us today? No, I mean I I loved the way we ended with Jamie. Uh, you know, you're talking about a team this year that every single person in this chat, everybody that's listening to this podcast on Thursday morning, everybody that's watching on YouTube. There's a lot to be excited about. And uh, I think someone said it in chat. I'd have to double check, but pitchers and catchers report in like 34 days. So before too long, it'll be truly Reds baseball time. Can't wait for it. Craig, appreciate you, my friend. Uh, we will see you again soon. You know what I haven't? I'm going to challenge. I'm going to challenge some of our, our loyal folks here. We have not got a rating on the podcast in like since September. So if there's someone who hasn't rated the podcast, leave uh, leave it five stars. That'll really help us kind of grow as uh, as this uh, season goes on. And um, yeah, can't wait to get it started. So thanks, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. If you had not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Do it right now. During spring training and the regular season, we are the only Reds podcast to have new episodes after every single game. And we will have plenty of off-season coverage between now and then, so be sure to stay tuned. Also, make sure that you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so that you can join us for live episodes of Chatterbox Reds. Hit the bell and turn on notifications so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about all of the other great content at Chatterbox Sports. First off, there's our flagship show, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on YouTube, of course, on Chatterbox Sports. Off the Bench is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Great podcast listen uh, for your drive home, as it's usually posted uh, by 1 or 2 in the afternoon every day. Then there's Chatterbox Bengals. They go live after every single Bengals game, similar fashion to what we do at Chatterbox Reds. Those guys are doing a great job covering the Bengals this season. Speaking of the Bengals, there is Chatterbox Clicker with Coach Kyle Kasky, former Bengals coach. That is every Tuesday night. Coach Kasky breaks down film from the latest Bengals game in a very innovative show on Chatterbox Sports that you do not want to miss. And if that's not enough to fill your NFL fix, there's Mac and JT. That is Wednesday nights on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, that is all things NFL. They go through each and every game. And then our newest show, Chatterbox Bearcats. That is with host Charlie Walter, formerly of Reds Live. Covers all things UC sports. They are going live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. So that's, on course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Chatterbox Bearcats is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Links to all those shows are in the episode notes today, so be sure to check them out. Give those guys the support that they deserve. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.